Hello and welcome, best friends, to another episode of Best Friends Talk Funny, the only kind of funny community podcast all about the best friends that make up said community. I am your host, Kyle Stevenson, a.k.a. WhoDatNinja73, and before I get into this wonderful episode, I have a couple of announcements. Number one, I'm going to be at PAX East, so if you're going to be in Boston for PAX East, come say hi. Uh, I won't have a blue beard, uh, so don't look for that, but... um, Make sure you're following me on Twitter and uh, keeping up where I'm going to be at. Uh, I'm going to be at a bunch of the panels. I'm definitely going to go to the Borderlands one. I'm going to hit up the What's Good Game panel. I'll be at the What's Good Games uh, meetup on, I believe that's on Saturday. Um, So definitely come say hi and hang out. And um, I can't wait to meet you if I haven't met you already. Um, Number two, uh, the following week after... PAX East is the Kind of Funny World Tour is coming to New York City. Finally, the guys and Joey are coming to New York City to hang out and meet us, and I can't wait. Um, not just because I, I get to see them and talk to them and hang out with them again, because they're wonderful human beings, um, but because I'm excited for all the best friends out here who haven't had a chance to meet them yet, I'll finally get a chance to do that, and that's going to make me so happy seeing that. Just because I know I was in their shoes before I met them at Kind of Funny Life 3. And I know how nervous they might feel. But the joy that I'm just imagining of them saying hi and just telling them how much they mean to them is going to be so great and so awesome. Um, So that's going to be on Saturday, April 6th, I believe, if I've got the date right. Boom, yes. Got it, 100%. Uh, the actual official kind of funny meetup will be on April 6th at Ease Bar. Um, I think it's the Morningside Heights location. I could be wrong. This is all from the top of my head. Um, starting at 3 to 6 p.m. It's all ages. Come hang out. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. That whole weekend, myself and Kelsey, my kind of NYC partner in crime, we planned a whole bunch of community events to make it feel like a kind of funny live weekend. We're going, we're, we're putting on a Super Smash Brothers Invitational at, at Bryant Park on Friday, followed by a viewing of Shazam at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. And then we're going to the Brooklyn Barcade. That's all on Friday. On Saturday morning, we're waking up, we're going to, to go get some brunch with some best friends, head over to the meetup, and then Dave and Buster's afterwards. And then Sunday, Kelsey and a bunch of best friends are going to be touring New York City and stopping by some of our favorite spots and just show the best friends that might have traveled up there um, what some of the best spots in NYC are. Um, so, yeah, check that out. That's all of that's at Kinda NYC. And also on Kinda NYC, uh, we just launched a couple of T-shirts and and mugs and, and cell phone cases and all that stuff. Um, so if you are a New York best friend or you just want to support uh, Kinda Funny Best Friends uh, endeavors, uh, please do because all the profits from those shirts and merch, whatever you end up buying, uh, goes straight into uh, future community meetups in the New York area that me and Kelsey are going to put on. And because of your support, we'll be able to do much bigger and better things, um, which is very exciting. So if you if you can, please do so. I think that are all my announcements in the future. Now, one little, tiny little announcement about this episode. Um, 
Steven, my guest, Steven Fontana, wonderful best friend. Can't wait for you to get to know him. Um, he was so gracious enough to record uh, this entire podcast on his end because he had the computer to do so. That's how he does it for his show. And um, I was very happy to take him up on that offer. It gives me less time to re- or, or less things to worry about for editing purposes. Um, but here's the catch. <laughs> uh, like always, it seems, I had a cold. I was sick, and with that sickness comes my nasty cough, and because it was all on one track, I couldn't really delete the coughs or lower the volume without affecting Steven's audio, so I apologize if that hinders or makes your uh, listening to this episode impossible. I'm sorry. I'll do better. It's on me. My bad. But speaking of Stephen Fontana, he is uh, another New York ba- best friend in Brooklyn. Um, I feel like I might have already said this in this intro, but I've redone this intro a million times, so we're just going to roll with it. Um, he's fantastic. We met at Comic-Con last year for the first time in person. We talked a little bit beforehand on Twitter and on Facebook. And um, he's the best. He's wise. He is a the definition of a great friend. And he just, he's done some stuff, guys. He's done some stuff. And you'll know exactly what I talk about when you get to know him a bit better. But he's a man of many talents. Um, one of those talents uh, it goes with his uh, his podcast and his website that he helps write, write for, which is Nintendo Dual Screens. That's dual with an E. Um, and he has developers on from Nintendo and voice actors and uh, the one that keeps popping up in my head is he is the creators of Toe Jam and Earl on his show and it's it's an incredible show. Uh, please go listen to it and in this episode Steven gets to talk about it and why it's so special, which is awesome. Um, so now that we are six something minutes in, you're tired of hearing my voice just by myself. You want to get to know a best friend, so let's get to know a best friend a bit. Kind of funny is best friends. What that means is we are there for each other. What that means is that you can go to any kind of funny live event. You can go to an RTX. You can go to a PAX. And if you see someone in one of our shirts, you can go up and talk to them. You can go to dinner with them. Kind of funny is this. Montana, I'm so happy to have you on, man. Hey, How man. You doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy that we're doing this. So excited. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that you wanted me to do this like uh, maybe a month or so ago. So I'm yeah. really, I'm happy we could finally sit down and do it. Absolutely. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I mean, we just got blindsided with some oh, some Giants news. It's so um, bad. So I, I apologize to everyone who's listening <laughs> to this. I this is usually like a nerdy. You know, show just getting to know each other a little bit more. But we're we're gonna talk a little bit of sports real quick because uh, we are both Giants fans, New York Giants fans, uh-huh. um, in the great sport of football, and that is the the only football, not the the soccer <laughs> from around the world, not um, not footyball, the no, gridiron. No, no, we're no. talking about the gridiron. 
one of the best <laughs> players in all of the league, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, mm-hmm. pro- arguably top three, maybe top two wide receiver. Uh, once in a lifetime, I would say talent, uh, yep. got traded from our team to the Cleveland Browns. Uh-huh. And I don't mean to laugh because the Browns are actually really good last season. Yes. But it just watching our team go into a meltdown over the last couple of days and weeks <laughs> has been soul crushing. Okay. Well, I am here to to cradle you in my arms and rock you to sleep because this is we are we are going to be okay. And here's why. I have received insider knowledge from a from a uh, journalist that I happen to be friends with. He's a New York sports journalist. Mm-hmm. He writes for like three different websites, and he has told me that uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget his first name, but uh, Rosen, the QB that we wanted to get last Josh year, Rosen. Josh yeah. Rosen, could be had for a third round pick. Oh. And what did we just get? Just a first a and pick. a third round pick. So there's there's if remember. Remember two things. One, the Patriots have never won a Super Bowl with an elite wide receiver. True. That's number one. Number two, we got a second first-round pick now, which we could trade up if we really want, really wanted to and get mm-hmm. an elite talent, even though the 17th pick really is not going to be that much of a drop-off. Yeah. So I think – and they got rid of $100 million, and f- as much as I loved – him in the in the blue jersey we also got rid of a bit of a headache um i i I can i can concede that point yes odell it's at times can be very headachey inducing uh like with his kicking the goalposts and the nets just just yelling at himself on the sideline which i I get he's passionate but i think five years is enough to mature in the league and he wasn't showing that maturity that you need to wear the giants jersey in my opinion Mm -hmm. um we have Barkley, who is yes, yes. the best running back that, yeah, I mean, rookie. Who, I still say people that I, I've who know that I'm a Giants fan have sent me messages like, uh, man, Giants are trash. Uh, you should have picked a QB last year. And I, was, and I still I still say Saquon was the right pick last year. Yeah, I, I don't 100%. disagree. Yeah, I don't disagree. It, you know, it, quarterbacks are are very much hit or miss. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, you know, some of the elite quarterbacks can come out of the second, third round. I mean, but the fact that, you know, if, if we can get a Rosen for a third round pick and still be able to bolster the offensive line with, with first round picks and, and, you know, the, yeah. the other conditional picks that we have, I think they'll be fine. I, I just, I mean, this, the sad thing about this trade is not that the loss of Odell Beckham Jr., but it is the clear sign that we're giving up on the last year that we have with Eli. Yeah. I feel bad for what he's going to have to do next year, but he's also the type of player that kind of pro- likes to prove people wrong. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe, maybe without a, you know, for lack of a better term, diva to worry mm-hmm. about. Maybe mm-hmm. he could just hand the ball off to Barkley, get the runs, and make some short yardage passes. Get some yeah. completions. He like he plays very well with tight ends, mm-hmm. and the Giants routinely. Uh, draft and sign very good tight ends, very underrated tight ends. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm still hopeful that this isn't the last trade, and I think they're going to turn this into something more worthwhile. But that that's yeah. that we don't want. Yeah. Let's not get too crazy into yeah, it because no, no. Yeah. man, the, the, if, if there's anything there, there's the splinter groups of the the kind of funny best friends indicate anything. Uh, the football group is probably around the thousands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just man, I was not. I was already had a I had a rough day teaching today, and then 
you know, I was at my second job just waiting to come home to record with you. And then I saw the news <laughs> that Odell got traded. I was like, oh, man. And then to the Browns. And the Browns are on the rise now with Odell and Jarvis Landry as a combo wide receiving They're duo. They're going to be a good team. That's insane. And this is now the second trade the Giants have made with the Browns in the last couple weeks. We said Olivier Vernon there, too. Right. Um, so, yeah. But that's enough of that sports ball talk. Uh, way longer than six seconds Steven, where are you from, buddy? I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. I still live on the street that I grew up on. I live in the house next door to my parents. I have a... A du- like a duplex apartment thing, like two floors mm-hmm. or whatever here in Brooklyn, the house next door. Really, I, I also kind of grew up in this house because it's uh, m- my neighbors moved in when I was very, very young, and they had a grandson that's uh, a couple of years older than me, and mm-hmm. his older brother is just a year older than my older brother, so I grew up in this house playing with them all the time, so it's kind of, you know, nice. this, is, this is very much a part of who I am living in what's it what's it like living in one of the the most notable boroughs of new york city incredibly frustrating um because a lot of what people think of when they think brooklyn now is what what we refer to as new brooklyn Mm -hmm. um which is you know like the williamsburg and and the park slope and like all that stuff when when i was growing up in in the uh you know the early 90s that was like a place you didn't go to and mm-hmm. and Brooklyn was about Bay Ridge, Saturday Night Fever, and like that's my neighborhood. I grew up in Bay Ridge, Diker Heights, Bensonhurst. Like that's the Brooklyn that I that I associate with Brooklyn. Um, so it could be a little frustrating when when you're like, oh, I'm from Brooklyn. You're like, oh, you're from Williamsburg. You're from Red Hook. I'm like, no, I'm not from that. <laughs> those those shitty ass brick oven pizza <laughs> yuppie places. No, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. The one one two two eight. Where is it at? That's what I'm talking about. Represent. Nice. <laughs> what's the What's the best part of the the Brooklyn that you know and love? Um, the I only came to realize this when I moved to Colorado for for like eight for eight months a few years ago. Um, I have my wife has uh, our sister lives in Colorado, and they had they have twin boys and and a younger boy, and when we were living there. I was kind of, I just it, it kind of just hit me that whenever they wanted to hang out with their friends, their parents had to make phone calls and make a play date and get them in the car, drive them over to their friend's house or their friends would have to get dropped off at their house. And mm-hmm. so to answer your question, the thing that makes this very special to me is the fact that for my entire childhood, I would just go outside in front of my house and meet up with like 15 kids. And that's not an exaggeration. We would have 15 kids all from the mm-hmm. block or, or down the block on, on the Avenue around the corner. And we would all meet up. We would all walk together to the schoolyard. Like we weren't, we weren't hoodlums or anything like that. We were just a bunch yeah. of kids that wanted to play like wiffle ball, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And w- wiffle ball and what we called sponge ball, which is essentially just playing baseball with one of those spongy balls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would go to the schoolyard and we would play from when the sun came up until we couldn't see the ball anymore. And, to me, that's that's I've never really witnessed that in any other quote unquote suburb like Brooklyn is a city, but it's really become a suburb mm-hmm. um, or it's its original intention was to be a suburb. And like downtown Brooklyn was the city and like all that stuff. But as Manhattan and, and even downtown Brooklyn and all this gets more and more expensive, the it, the further it gets pushed out and like it's really just now a city. So mm-hmm. it's just the. um to me brooklyn is all about uh neighborhood it's all about walking outside 
talking to a stranger, becoming friends, and it's not you're not sheltered off from other people because you literally live like on top of people. Yeah. Um. You know, I walk out in front of my house, or if I if if my neighbors are having an argument, I know everything about that argument. <laughs> yeah. Like no matter what, like there's no such thing as like a gated community here. You know, it's it's all mm-hmm. just. I could look out my window and see my neighbors, you know, walking up and down their steps. It's like, so that, that to me is the best part about growing up in New York is like, you always have growing up in Brooklyn, you always Mm -hmm. have somebody different than you to learn from and grow up with. And, and I can't wait for my kids to do that too. Yeah. Just you talking about that is, has made me so jealous (laughs) because where I live and grew up is I'm, in the middle of like an open field next to a tree nursery. And and I didn't have a neighbor that I could just go next door and, and hang out with. Like the only time I was with other kids my age was at school or right. when I was playing organized sports. Um, I, luckily I had a giant backyard where I could like uh, do the, the home run derby. Like my family is a golf family. So my dad would bring home a bunch of like these old golf balls from the from the golf course that sure. they would find like they would fish out of the water. Yep. And then I would just do home run derby with golf balls cuz <laughs> like where our backyard ends it's like a good 200 feet. Sure. So like I was doing home run derby with those up until like high school. Like all every hour of every day. Luckily there was no one around us so I didn't break any windows, thank God. Um, oh, I've broken windows. Oh, I've, well, yeah, in the city, <laughs> like it's kind of avoid, unavoidable, right? I can, t- I can tell you this right now. There have been times where I have also hit golf balls with an aluminum bat onto a highway. <laughs> it has happened before. <laughs> it is. It it has happened because the the golf course is is right by the highway over here. It's a yeah, okay. It's a Diker Beach ball, golf course, and uh, I, there are golf balls always in the street because you know yeah. people just shank a shot and it goes over a uh, you know a twelve foot tall chain link fence and lands <laughs> in, the, in the street. Yeah, and I, us kids, oh my god, that was like giving us an aluminum bat and a golf ball was like the <laughs> worst thing you could do to a, yeah. you know a fifteen year old. Makes a pretty sound though. Oh my god, it's beautiful. It goes forever. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, what's yeah. the worst it could do? Just make somebody do a barrel roll down the Belt Parkway. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. It is. It is what it is. They'll be fine. Yeah. No. But <laughs> I, I can imagine having a, a kid in the city, and, and knowing what you grew up as, having neighbors and, and going and having a, like a, a plethora of friends and kids to hang out with, is it's it's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my. My my oldest, uh, my son Jack, he's three and a half for a little bit more than three and a half, and you know he's already coming home from his three year old pre K thing, talking about Giancarlo and his class, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you guys are gonna like grow up together and play and stuff. It's weird. It's yeah. weird to me because you know it wasn't so long ago. I remember my first memory of like somebody me calling somebody a friend. I was probably four years old. I have a late birthday, so I was probably four years old when I started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And a uh, uh, young kid named Michael, I kind of gravitated towards him. And like seeing now that like my son is almost that age, he's got a, about a year or so to go, maybe like a, you know eight months or so to go before he's yeah. like what I, the age I was. But he's a that kid. Mike is a, is somebody that um, I could. I could message him right now on Facebook and he would, we would meet up and even though we haven't seen each other in 10 years, we could probably catch up like it's nothing. And That's like, awesome. I'm excited for him to, uh, to meet people like that and, and grow up in that kind of community and neighborhood. Yeah. But it's, sure. it changes so much though. Every, every five years, the dynamics of the neighborhood completely changed the stores that close and open mm. and, and the places where kids hang out or the, you know, it's just all, 
it, it all changes. And like the schoolyard, when I was a kid, it was a massive schoolyard. And I had these, uh, these big uh, chain link fences, but the links were really small. So like mm-hmm. a ball couldn't get through it. Mm, so yeah. we used to play hockey there too because the puck wouldn't go in the street, whatever. Then they put this auxiliary little red schoolhouse thing because they were overcrowded right in the middle mm. of the schoolyard. So now mm. we had half the space to play. And so instead of playing hockey, we would play, uh, you know, wiffle ball and we were trying to hit the ball over the fence. And, and if you if you hit it over the fence and across the street, it's a home run. If you get past the double yellow lines on the avenue, it's a triple. <laughs> and, uh, gotcha, and, yeah. and I worked at the corner store too. So we would always like run to the corner store and like get get uh you know drinks and stuff but that corner store is not here anymore now it's a it's a daycare it's a you know a daycare center Mm -hmm. so it's like places like that my kids are are not going to have that kind of place the way the neighborhood's changing but they're still going to have the front of the house the stoop as we call it um yeah to grow up and play you know yeah i'm in I've only hung out on a stoop once, and it was on Staten Island. Staten Fourth of a July, good stoop. yeah, yeah. Fourth of July, like years ago. I I was with my friends from college. They lived on. They moved down on the island. They had a house there, and we spent Fourth of July just drinking all day, and then just walking around randomly, finding yeah. people to just hang out with. I think we walked into one of his girlfriend at the time now wife friends from college or a different college and we went into like their graduation party and i felt super awkward didn't know anybody so i just sat in the front step and just hung out with some other people that walked by and it was amazing that experience is something that is so unique yeah it's incredible you know but growing up I i was always jealous of the suburbia life life of like going to the big game on friday nights like the friday night lights thing we didn't we don't Mm. have that like we we don't have that kind of of life we don't have the kid with the giant backyard with the trampoline or, or you know with the, yeah. with the in-ground pool like we had you know my my parents always had a pool but it was, you know above ground pool and all the kids would come there i remember one yeah. time my friend james we he had an older above ground pool and we broke it while mm. we were in it <laughs> and it collapsed and all the water rushed into his basement it's like oh you know, no we, we have all we have different memories I, I would say but yeah, yeah i've always been jealous of like my cousins grew up in in uh malvern uh, in or, okay. or Limbrook, depending on what years it were, because they they moved from one to the other when we were kids. But um, you know, we would ride bikes down quiet streets and go to this massive school. Like school schools here don't have massive yards and grounds and football fields and baseball field. Like we didn't yeah. have that when I played high school baseball. We had to drive six miles to our home field. You know, yeah. it, it, that that I was always jealous of. So you don't you don't have it all bad. Kyle, it's yeah. all bad. That's true. Um, so living in Brooklyn, uh, what do you do for a living? I am a uh, estimator for a commercial general contracting company in Manhattan. Uh, how do you like it? Um, I it has its ups and downs. Like I don't dislike it. It's just yeah. It's um, it actually brings me to one of the, my notes that I wrote down. I have a strange imposter syndrome going on while I'm there because. That job, uh, I wasn't I wasn't hired to do the job that I'm doing. I was hired to be an assistant to somebody that does the job I'm doing. And I mm, kind of just yeah. adapted and grew into it. And um, I basically was promoted within a year with no experience in the position. Mm. So every once in a while, uh, I'll have a stressful week where I'm like, should I really be doing this? Yeah. And that actually brings me to something that I wrote down here, which was your intro on episode 20. 
uh-huh. where where you were thanking everybody for listening to the show and you were so happy that you you were able to do it and you asked the question in the beginning when you were doing the show are you the right person to do the show yeah and i my answer to that question um is no because there's always somebody better yeah there there there's that's why people like us you and i can never stop doing what we do Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into, I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll get into the other stuff that I do on the side, but yeah. mm-hmm. you can't settle. You can never say this is good enough because there's always somebody behind you that is going to want it more at some point and they're going to take it from you. So that is the attitude that I take into my, my job and my hobbies is that no, I, this could be taken away at any moment and I'm yeah. not good enough. And I will always, always, always strive to be better than I am. There's no apex for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always got to be you always got to strive to be better than you are because there's always better than you. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because imposter syndrome I was I did not realize was a thing. Oh yeah. Um, until last year at PAX East, I went to that panel. It was basically just uh, it was from, um, I'm blanking on his name, but he's the got one of the people behind the Take This organization. Okay. Um, and, and our lovely community manager for kind of funny Joey Noel was on that panel. Um. And they talked, they brought up imposter syndrome and, and how you feel like you're not, you're not, you're not supposed to be in the position that you're in. Right. And, and just, you're really, you're really hard on yourself. And it, it, it's something where it's kind of like a weird out of body experience type of thing yeah, where absolutely, yeah. you're really hard on yourself, even though you know, you're putting in work and you, re- whatever you do, you don't feel is worthy enough type of thing. And yeah, you, you make a great point. There's always somebody ready and willing to just grab it. So you, you got to keep pushing. Yeah, and... you, you can never say like, Oh, I'm perfect for this. Like you could say, Hey, I'm perfect for this right now, but yeah. maybe tomorrow I, I'm not. And that's yeah. what, that's what always, that's kind of, that's why I stuck around with kind of funny and, and Greg Miller specifically, because he exudes that he has, he exudes all the confidence in the world, but you know that there is no such thing as the top with him. He mm-hmm. he creates and invents a new top every single year. There's yeah. something else that's above him that he somehow breaks that ceiling and just grabs it. And that to me is exactly how I want to achieve whatever it is I'm trying to achieve. Is like there whatever it is that's above me, I'm gonna I'm gonna look two steps past that because mm-hmm. if I only train and try and achieve what's directly above me somebody behind me is going to achieve the stuff that's that's above you know above that so yeah and you um, basically will be losing ground right exactly yeah. it's 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 a it's taking that one step up while you're also letting your guard down and somebody's climbing mm-hmm. on top of you to get to that next ring on the yeah. ladder so um that's that, that's something that i've always admired of, of greg um yeah for sure yeah uh how going back to your uh your job as a um uh, an assessor of sort uh how uh, you're saying how you were kind of like, I don't want to say thrown to the wolves, but like, how was it trying to learn that job on the fly? Was that something like, well, I can imagine beyond stressful. Cause I had a similar experience during student teaching. Like sure. I, my first, my first place of student teaching was sixth grade history. I had seven classes throughout the day and my cooperating teacher, the moment I showed up left and yeah. I had no guidance and I just had to come up with less. He told me yeah. what I was teaching, and that was it. 
Like, if I had any questions of whether or not I was writing the lesson plan correctly or whatever, nope, he was gone. He was in the faculty room oh, working boy. on the yearbook and just talking with his other buddy because a friend of mine was also student teaching math. We had the same students, different subjects. And they just stayed in faculty room for the six, seven weeks we were there. Jeez. And so so I had to learn on the fly. So was that, like, very similar to what you had to do with this job? It, it is, but I'm also very lucky because the senior – uh, estimator for our office is my brother, my older brother. Oh, sweet. Okay. So he, he actually hired me. He got me hired. I shouldn't say he hired me because I did have to interview with the president of the company, but he got me an interview to be his assistant because at the time the business was really starting to, to boom and he was the only estimator. So he needed somebody to help him just organize uh, the bids and the paperwork and, and all that stuff. Essentially in the business, it's called a bid clerk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hired to do that, and then right before they I started, they hired another senior estimator. So I wound up being a clerk for my brother and this other senior estimator. And what I wound up doing, and this is what I do with every job I've ever had, I start just doing it, mm-hmm. doing what the people above me are doing, at least a part of it. So what I was doing was I was getting the drawings, and I was trying to identify what trades need to get a set of drawings so that they could price it so i was writing down that list giving it to my brother and i'm saying what did i miss he said oh you didn't you didn't get this this and this trade okay where do you find that so he i had him as my teacher and you know the two projects that i'm bidding right now my brother's helping me tremendously with because he i told him from the very beginning this seems outside of my comfort zone this seems like it's going to be something i'm going to struggle with here's what i think of this job i can do well Here's where mm-hmm. I'm going to struggle, so I'm going to keep you posted on everything that happens on this. And he's been doing it 14 years, so he is able to take me through it, walk me through it, show me what he's doing. So I've, I had that guidance, but at the same time, I also took the opportunity that was given me, and I kept doing better and better until mm-hmm. I was officially... Uh, it was uh, in May of last year. I was officially promoted to an estimator. I skipped junior estimator. I mm. went from I went from bid clerk to estimator because one of the jobs that they gave me to estimate, they didn't know it was going to be worth as much money. But it was a three and a half million dollar job in a wow. in a hospital that mm-hmm. we did not have any work in. So me winning that job actually got us a new client mm-hmm. and. That was kind of like an eye-opening thing for them, I guess. So then they wound up. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, they wind up. That that happened in December two years ago, and then they wound up promoting me in May officially um, mm-hmm. last year. So I'm officially been an estimator for less than a year, but I'm I've been doing it a little longer than that. Yeah. Is it something you enjoy doing? Yeah, for for the most part. I mean, I'm I'm I ha- I bet you can tell where my passions really are in life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> based on you know what I do, the other forty hours that I'm working yes. every week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't as much as the reason why I started down that path is because I needed to have a career because I had children or a child mm-hmm. at the time, and I wanted to be responsible and and have that that um give that provide that life for them. Yeah. And, uh, so I was able, so that was a sacrifice for me to do that. Cause that before that I was pursuing, um, I was in restaurant management, but also pursuing acting. Uh, so I, you know, I did that for, for many years and, um, I wound up just saying, Hey, I need stability. I need to do it. So I have fun while I'm there. I'm not, Mm -hmm. when I'm doing the job, I'm not particularly like throwing my hands in the air. Wow. This is so much fun. Yeah. But. I do enjoy going to work. I enjoy being there. Um, 
very That's much good. so. I get to work with my brother. I get to work with this another kid that actually grew up just eight blocks away from us as kids, kind of small world thing. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. you know, we're just the, you know, uh, three, uh, three guidos from Brooklyn that are just yelling <laughs> at each other all day. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm guessing it probably could be worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it could definitely be worse. I've had worse jobs. That's for sure. Yeah. So you, you actually brought up what I wanted to bring up next was, uh, I, we first got talking around, uh, it was maybe a little bit before Comic-Con, but I don't think we actually met in person in, until Comic-Con of last year in yeah. New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned that you were an actor for, for a while there. Yeah. Uh, and what, what is that like? And uh, that that process of, of trying to go into a role? Oh, yeah, for, for that. Um, I – so I, when I was a kid, because most of the most of the, the performances that I did were when I was a teenager – and not non-professionally. It was like when I first started, um, it was just read, you know, memorize the words, have fun, make people laugh. Like that was like my approach with it. Right. Yeah. And then when I went to college, I started to learn actual methods to acting. And what I found was um, the Stanislavski method was the one that I kind of, I realized that I was doing anyway. I was doing subconsciously, which is um, you play yourself, but mm-hmm. altered. Yeah. So whatever situation you're in, it's you. You're in that situation, but there circum there are circumstances that change things about you. Um, mm-hmm. For example, in college, I did a production of The Crucible, and I was John Proctor, and I'm on stage for three hours and eighteen minutes in, in a three hour and thirty one minute show. Yeah. And I was eighteen years old when I got the role, and I was nineteen when we when we started performing it. And um, <clears throat> for me, it was all about. Um, the only way I can make this believable for me playing a 1600s man who is in the middle of a witch crisis in in Salem, Massachusetts, yeah. is to just say to myself, well, what, what would I do in that situation? Yeah, and, yeah. and it came off that, you know, I, I decided to take this, this, this place, this mental state of, holy shit, everyone around me is absolutely fucking nuts, and I need to fix this. Because that's what Steven would do. Steven would try and fix everything. Because Steven's a fixer. That's what I try and do. I don't. I can't let anybody suffer. I have to fix everything. So that's kind of what I t- took that role. I don't go deep into like backstory this and you know what am I going to think before I say or or you know really react. If you're in the in the scene, if you're just present in it, you're going to react naturally. You don't have to think to yourself. I have to react to everything. Because if something happens and it's worth reacting, you're going to react. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I'm not really even 100% paying attention to the words that are coming out of somebody's mouth. I only pay attention to what in the at the moment they make important. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's just blah, 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 murder. <laughs> like the only thing important yeah. there is the word murder. So like yeah. that's what I'm reacting to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the, the approach I, I do. Like I don't I – don't, I am very much – I'm on, I'm off. I'm on, I'm off. I'm not a method actor. I don't sit there and I'm like wallowing you're, in my shit. You're not a Daniel Day-Lewis who just no. loses the role? <laughs> what I will do is accents. If my character has an accent, I'll speak like that for probably for an hour to two hours before the show or, mm-hmm. the, or the take or whatever. Or if I'm shooting a movie, it'll be the whole, the whole movie or whatever or the whole gotcha, day. Yeah. Um, just because it's easy to lose accents yeah. uh, when, you're not, when you're not just warmed up and your tongue's not doing exactly what you want it to do because accents are very technical. Um, you, you know, I took technical classes for certain accents, like your tongue has to do certain things, your teeth, your gums, it's, 
you have to have ability to, to trill R's? And do you have any idea how hard it is to trill an R when you have cotton mouth, which <laughs> happens when you're on stage in front of, yeah. you know, 100, 200, 300 people? So things like that were, were the things that I had to work on as, as an actor was just being on stage and having fun and performing for somebody was always the easy part. The hard part was um, being able to adapt to other people's styles because other people may they can't improvise. They can't, if you change a word of the script, it throws them completely off or something mm. like that. Um, like a Ron Burgundy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That happened in high school. There was one kid, it was his first time doing a show ever. And he happened to be the lead. And I was his supporting actor. I was the, it was a uh, Neil Simon's God's favorite. Have you ever mm. read not, it? I'm, no. So it, it's a comedy, obviously it's Neil Simon, but it was, uh, it's about the book of Job. So it's about okay. this guy who's really wealthy. And then God takes it all away from him until he realizes what he has, what's important is his family. And that's the premise. So I play the angel that God sends down to this man to explain to him what's going on and to kind of guide him through. And the kid, I say a line and it's just, it's ever so slightly different, like just a little bit different. And instead of saying his next line, he says just the word what. Okay. And, at that point, I'm looking at the sheer panic in his eyes, and for whatever reason, I could not figure out for the life of me where I'm supposed to go next because I was so bewildered by <laughs> by by him saying what. So we wound up skipping the entire second half of Act One. Oh wow! All of the dialogue just gets completely skipped. We we start Act Two. And I do a Zach Morris timeout thing because oh. the audience had no idea what was going. They would have no clue yeah. what Act yeah. Two is about because Act Two mm -hmm. opens up and it and it's it like everything that happened in Act One at the end is like the setup for Act Two. So I wound up having to do like a improvised monologue to explain to them what the hell happened in Act One. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's always been the challenge for me is <clears throat> is improvising around people who have different different ways of performing. That was always fun. Yeah. Uh, it, is it something that you miss doing? Very much so. Yeah. Um, one of the shows, one of my dream shows that I want to do, I'm trying to convince a local theater company to do here. Um, I want to do American Idiot so badly. Oh, and yeah. I'm getting older and I'm going to, I'm going to age out of these parts soon. Yeah. And I want to, I want to play the parts. I want to do it. I want to do that show. Um, so I was actually listening to the, to the soundtrack on the way home and I'm just getting goosebumps. Cause I'm like just picturing like being on stage, singing these parts. And yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely miss it. I haven't done a proper show or movie since 2014. Wow. Yeah. So it's Five been a while. Years. Like I, I've done a web series. I've done an episode of a web series last year, which wasn't too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's like a one and done type thing. Yeah. Um, for right now, the podcast is uh, is filling that creativity void. That's good. That I've been uh, having. What is what has been your favorite role that you've ever done? Um, well, I this could segue into where my Twitter handle comes from. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my favorite role that I ever played was in high school. It was not for it was not for professional. It was not money, <laughs> but it was a uh, local theater company that I that I grew up performing in. We did Bat Boy the musical, and I played Bat Boy uh, Edgar, who uh, his other nickname that the townspeople give him is the Bat Child, and it's about the Weekly World news um, newspaper where they used to run the Bat Bat Boy 
yeah. stories. It's about that story. It's like, what, okay. would, what, yeah. what would it be like if he was a real thing? Um, it's hysterical. The show is absolutely hysterical. But that was my favorite role because it was, it was, it, I was 16 years old. It was like me. I was coming of age and I was starting to learn myself as a performer because that role was speaking about imposter syndrome. I had no business doing that role because that role is extraordinarily demanding. The The actor who played him on off-Broadway, Devin May, during one of the songs, the hardest song in the show, he's doing upside-down uh, crunches or sit-ups. He's oh, hanging wow. upside-down doing sit-ups while he's singing high B-flats. Like, it's nuts. Jeez. Oh, so, I can't even down to tie my shoes sometimes. like it, it, it was <laughs> insane and here i am a 16 year old kid but that's that one and uh my senior year of high school we did les mis and i was jean valjean mm. and uh i'll never forget that one that one was that that was a an absolute blast to do and professionally i, I did a few things which don't worry we'll talk about that later when oh. uh when you ask me what what i what you should be watching oh sweet <laughs> okay um so then uh bad child is uh, your twitter handle is bad child 27 yep so obviously we know where the bad child thing comes from what's the significance of 27 anything that, cool with it that was the number on the back of my baseball jersey at the time oh sweet okay. i was just i was playing uh it was after high school my high school number was 20 my sandlot league number was 22 and when i was started playing in this other uh league after high school it was a it was a fast pitch league um I just I just picked 27 as the number and it, it was there and I'm like you know what we'll do 27 that's fine I mean mm-hmm. in retrospect I would rather it be 86 but it is yeah. what it is. Uh, what position did you play in baseball? Um, I played a lot everywhere in the infield, including okay. first base. I was a uh, I was a shortstop by training, like that's where I played a lot. Um, but I could play third base, and then in yeah. high school I played second base because I didn't have. Um, what they considered the arm strength for for shortstop, but I had the gotcha. range for it, so they I played second base there, and yeah. and I also subbed in at first if I needed to. Nice. I was a, a third baseman as well, mm. the and then one, uh, then pitcher and catcher. Mm. Pitcher. All right. Yeah, yeah I, I pitched yeah, a little bit. bit. I, I was a uh, I used to throw submarine, so I was oh, always it was man. always interesting when I pitched. Yeah, like all the way down, like knuckles dragging against the mound. Very very close, very wow. close to the knuckles touching. Yeah, that's impressive. Like watching. Obviously, major league baseball players who who, who pitch that way, I, I can never understand how they could be so accurate that like by doing it. Yeah, it's just a. I'm a bowler too. Like I, I oh, okay. bowled for for many years. So it's it's very similar motion. It's, it's just a. It's the way my shoulder likes to be. It's comfortable, and yeah. when I throw overhand, like my elbow hurts, my shoulder hurts. I don't get as much accuracy. And I remember, I'll never forget. I was in high school, and um, I'm throwing overhand, and the <laughs> and the coach he calls timeout and he walks halfway to the mound and screams at the top of his lungs, throw fucking sidearm. And then he walks away. I was like, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. I get your message. I I understand. Loud and clear, sir. Thank you, coach. Yeah. Wow. Um, Um, so if you're, if you're not acting, Mm -hmm. if you're not, uh, estimating, and if you're not being uh, a dad, uh, what you do something uh, pretty pretty awesome in your spare time? Yeah. Uh, Nintendo dual screens. Yes, indeed. I, I want to know where this came about and why Nintendo. Okay. Um. Well, that that's actually an interesting story. So, uh, hopefully the rest of this wasn't boring as hell to your listeners. Oh, no, so this, this is a good one. Awesome. Um. Yeah. So, 
my co-host Andy Asimakis, uh used to run a website. Uh, he it was called Games Abyss, and I wrote for it back in 2010, 2011, right? And the the website wound up shutting down, and we kind of went grew apart or whatever. Um, and then, uh, let's see, we're up to episode eighty nine. So what is that? Oh, that's, nice. That's a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, yeah. We. I was I wrote we were just bullshitting about uh, just about video games on on Facebook Facebook Messenger. Um uh, we hadn't spoke to each other in years and we're just kind of just talking shit, you know, whatever, talking about PlayStation, talking about, you know, the ne- what the next Nintendo thing could be. Yeah. And so we were thinking at the at the time he worked for um YouTube, I believe. Um so we were thinking about maybe meeting up once a month and bar and using the YouTube Studios and recording a YouTube series of just us sitting down talking about games. And so we were thinking about that. We were like uh, coming up with different, different shows that we can do. And then I was approached by, um, a, a, another kind of funny best friend in the New York area, um, Michael Miller, Mm -hmm. um, AKA tricky Mick. And it was during the Rangers, uh, playoff run, one of their deep playoff runs. And he, and he just asked me to let him know what was going on in the games. And then from there we kind of developed a friendship and, and he runs uh, and owns provinggamer.com. And he invited me on trophy whores, their PlayStation podcast. Mm-hmm. And then he said, essentially he said to me, um, I want you to be on trophy whores, you know, every week. And I said, well, I actually was going to start a podcast with my friend Um would you be interested in hosting it on Proven Gamer? And he said, yeah, but it can't be about PlayStation and it can't be about wrestling because he already had those two shows. Mm-hmm. And this was like three weeks before the Switch came out. So Andy and I got together and said, do you want to do something about Nintendo? I mean, we're, we're both old school Nintendo fans. We kind of lost mm-hmm. we lost the luster for between the Wii and the Wii U, but like we're... We always love the franchise. We owe the franchises. We love the history. We we love retro gaming, um, and the the Switch intrigued us. So we wound up the week that we got th- that the Switch came out. I believe it was that week that we launched dual screens. I mm-hmm. think um, that the timing could be a little mushy, but essentially that's what we did. We started writing for Proving Gamer, and in return got the show hosted on ProvingGamer.com. And so that's where Nintendo dual screens came from. And the the name was, was supposed to be a play on when the, the DS was, was supposed to come yeah. out. It was called the dual screen, whatever the Nintendo dual screen and it's dual with an E because it's fighting. Cause the, the him and I argue all the time. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of where that came from. And it still fit with the whole switch thing because you could play on handheld or you could play on the big screen yeah. dual screens. And that's, that's kind of it's like it's the done. perfect name. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were like confused about it with the spelling. Google always wow. tries to correct you. I'm like, no, you know, dual with an e is a word, right? Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> damn it, Google. Um, yeah. so yeah, we we kind of we went from that, and then we started as just a show about. It, it was essentially a two person show about just what was going on in Nintendo, mm-hmm. and then. At around episode 30, we said, you know what? This thing isn't getting any traction. Either we do something different, we change the format, and see if that works, or we just cut it, just end it. And what we wound up doing is getting um, the creators of Dundara, 
the uh, the indie that. title. It's a uh, Metroidvania where uh, the the character can only move by jumping up and down and uh, landing okay. on platforms, kind of okay. like moving around. Um, we got them on the show, and all of a sudden we had listeners from Argentina tuning into the show. Um, I think it was Argentina. Um, was it Argentina? I don't remember now. Ah, whatever. It's it's far away there. Yeah, it was. And then we got the we got five hundred five games on the show. We got the PR from five hundred five to talk about Sweet. Bloodstained, and then it just yeah. started to snowball from there. And currently, we're sitting at over forty developers. Um, and we've also had Sissy Jones, uh, voice actress. Um, she just played Fury in Darksiders three. Sweet. That's um, awesome. You had we, the Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, we had the creator on, of right? Toe Jam and Earl on as well. Yep, Greg Johnson, um, super amazing dude. Uh, yeah. We had the creator of uh, Mutant League Football on the show. Wow. Um, we've had um, the voice of Mega Man and Mega Man Eleven, Ben Jeez. Diskin. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And, I, I, with, with all these, like, to me and to probably many listeners out there, these are like major names and yeah, incredible like people that are so important in our hobbies is that like a nerve-wracking experience sitting down and talking to them or are you just so used to it by now it's it's not too bad there's always there are always <clears throat> butterflies yeah but the thing that we do before every show is we get the, we we start talking to the guest and i immediately the first thing i tell them is let's just have fun this isn't yeah. i'm not trying to get you with questions. I'm not trying to get mm-hmm. you to say something you don't want to say. This is about us yeah. nerding out about the shit you make yeah. as mm-hmm. indie, indie developers and, and voice actors and, and influencers. This is about you talk, coming here and just talking and having fun. And then we, we talk about Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And, and our tagline is, this is a show where Andy and I and a guest uh, uh, discuss, uh, I'm sorry, have an open discussion about Nintendo's past, present, and future. Go over the Nintendo news you absolutely need to know and have an open discussion about Nintendo's past, present, and future. Yeah. That's all it is. And we we focus a lot on the indie devs because they don't really have much of a voice. Yeah. You know, they're they're on a bunch of different storefronts, but they don't necessarily get to go out there and say what they want to say. Yeah, they're, most of the time it's just like a, a another trailer, just in right. a sea of other trailers for other games. Exactly. They're they're yeah. a tra- like for example, we had um we had oh who was it? Um Shit, I forget. Uh, we had Al- Alex Preston, from uh, the creator of Hyper Light Drifter. We had oh, him. Oh, wow. On, nice. And he was <laughs> he, he, he was a tough guest to nail down because he, he at the time that we were supposed to record, he was in a cabin and he didn't have very good internet. Oh, yeah. But whatever. It. When, it, when it came down to actually sitting down and record, he was extremely shy. Like, not shy, but he was reserved. He's, yeah. He was, at this point, he was maybe our 8th or ninth or so guest, I think. Mm-hmm. And... We were worried, right? We were worried. Oh my god, were we gonna, whatever? And then when we started talking, we didn't ask him anything about the game. Yeah. To to start, we just wanted to know what he was like. Mm-hmm. What What's your deal? You know, like what What's the indie scene like? What is it like just being in? And then we we kind of evolved that into okay, now you're on a Nintendo console. We presume you're in your thirties. You probably grew up with Nintendo, right? And like yeah. that's kind of the the way we we get into it. It's like the icebreaker type. So thing. yeah, he was he was probably the toughest person to like really get the nerves out and and speak yeah. to because of of a the problems of getting him to to sit down and record, but also the fact that he was a little bit more reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you start talking to these guys, they want to talk. 
they want yeah. to tell you their story. Um, we just had a guest on a few weeks ago, um, Patrick Hickey Jr., and he wrote a, a book, and he's writing several other books right now, but it's called uh, The Minds Behind the Games. And it's essentially, it's an interview book where he, he gives you a little backstory about a, a famous video game or maybe a game you didn't hear about. And then he interviews the creators. And oh, you awesome. get such incredible stories because they don't have a place to tell these stories. And yeah. it turns out him and I... We, we've had very similar guests that we've interviewed or whatever. So now we have like a working relationship with him where he's like, Hey, did you ever meet these guys? I'm like, no. And he sends us an email. He's like, talk to this guy, get him on your show. It's oh, like, wow. That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. But the, as far as nerves, there's always a little bit, there's yeah. always a touch of that. We're always a little bit, you know, what's going to happen. You know, are they going to, are they going to be cool? Um, Andy likes to research them, watch interviews with them. He likes to know everything about them. And me, I want them to tell me everything. So like we, yeah. we bounce off each other well in that way. I'll ask, I'll, you know, I, I run the show when we're, when we're recording. So like I start everything. And then when Andy mm -hmm. sees that things are getting a little bit, um, not off the rails, but too much about one thing instead of all the things, like he'll bring it back in and, and yeah. So, Straying too far from the objective. Yeah. So he, he's, um, and we we are no strangers to going off the rails. Like we some yeah. some shows go almost two hours because we're just having a blast and just laughing <laughs> yeah. hysterical at each other. Like my one of my favorite guests I ever had was Nate Schmold. He he uh he was one of the creators of uh, Friday the Thirteenth Killer Puzzle and uh, Slay Away oh. Camp, and okay. he's absolutely hysterical. Like having him on, ugh, it, it's just so much fun. <laughs> he he's the only guest that we've had on twice, and he he's just hysterical. We also had Snowbike Mike on. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the year last year so that was also a lot of fun yeah he's he's a joy he um ridiculous. I, that probably didn't sound like it was i was happy no he, no he's, he's literally joy. one of the the coolest people to hang out with um yeah i i, I want to meet him in person one day like i he's he's a magnetic human being yeah um but yeah he came on and and um he rolled he i mean he rolled right in it was as if he's been doing it he's been on our show for like two years like, oh, yeah. Just working with him. It's, it's I, I know I said it about Odell earlier, but Snowback Mike is a once in a lifetime oh, yeah. talent. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, you do the podcast with Dual Strings. Are you still writing? For, yeah, for we actually. As well? Um, so we actually launched our own website earlier this year called DualScreens.com. D U E L Screens.com. And yeah, we, it's a place that we do a lot of. Uh, we do some hot, what we call hot takes. Essentially, our approach to this type of content is a don't take it too seriously we're mm -hmm. not journalists um but we want to give you a play it, it, we want to be like the playground at school if you're playing a game and you think it's fucking cool and you want to tell your yeah. friends about it that's what dual screens is that's what nds podcast is that's what uh you know the super nds bros super show is which is our patreon exclusive monthly show it's all about mm -hmm. hanging out with your friends being yourself talking getting hype getting mm -hmm. silly and then every week we bring in somebody from the outside who you may not never even heard of but you've played their games for 25 years they come yeah. on and all of a sudden they're a homie hanging out on the playground drinking a 40 yeah. with you you know what i mean like it's just yeah that that's it's our awesome. approach to it so yeah we have dualscreens.com which uh we post uh, reviews um we don't score reviews we just do either buy it uh it's it's buy it bin it bum it or burn it we just have four gotcha. four categories, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, we we definitely still write. Uh, we actually have 
another kind of funny best friend who just wrote his first piece for us awesome. uh, as a contributing ed- editor, uh, Harry, as you know. Oh, Harry. I love you know Harry. Harry. Um, I, I <laughs> do not know how to pronounce his last name. I mess it up every single time. Oh, yeah. Um, he did the, uh, the he ranked the Pokemon starters. Yes, he, yeah, he wrote that. I read that, that the other that day. Piece. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a joy. He's he's one of my my good friends now. Ever since we met at the at the kind of funny NYC meetup, the last one we did, um, we text back and forth uh, awesome. al- almost every day. Um, yeah, he he's he's awesome. Um, but yeah, we have other contributing writers and stuff. So yeah, you can go to dualscreens.com, read some hot takes, reviews. Um, yeah, and we also post our our show on there as well. One of my uh, favorite episodes that you've done is – and something that I didn't think I really cared deeply about. Mm-hmm. But when you had Cool Greg on and you geeked out about cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't – I didn't think of myself as like a cartoon lover. But you you three bouncing off and just naming all these awesome cartoons from my childhood just got me so hyped to just sit cool, down with man. the bowl of Cheerios or cereal yeah, and just watch yeah. cartoons. That's all I wanted cool to do. Cool Greg was – a absolute joy and just a genuine human being to the point where I'm, I actually feel bad that I can't hang out with him. Like Mm -hmm. it genuinely makes me upset that I can't call, I can't like just hang out with him if I want to. Like, so that that was a, a, a funny story altogether, and I, I could definitely share you that that one because that almost yeah. that episode leading up to that episode almost got me blacklisted from all of kind of funny content. Like, oh no! I I came very close to Greg Miller saying, "You're done. You're out." Like it oh, it was close. So this so what happened was, the whole the whole reason why the episode happened was was Cool Greg had mentioned that he he was going to get uh, Nickelodeon Kart Racers and he was excited yeah. for it. Right. So yeah. we said, "Hey, we are looking to get either the dev on the show or copies of the game or both." Right. Yeah. We would love to have you on the show to come talk about. Uh, Nickelodeon video games like that's kind of how it started he was like anytime yeah. like he just replied he's like anytime I'm like oh shit okay so we started having a back and forth trying to nail down a time <laughs> and it kind of evolved into like he doesn't really know video games like that so we just said yeah. you know what that's no problem because we do this thing called bonus stage where it could be an off topic show that we don't put behind a paywall we just put it up as like a bonus thing mm-hmm. um, like we had the guy who runs uh, the guy Brian who runs uh, um Proto Proto Man Corner, I think it's called, or Rockmancorner.com. Mm. Rockmancorner.com. Um, it's a Mega Man website. And like we had him on and we did a bonus show where it was just about Mega Man. I digress. So Cool Greg, it was the whole thing was that we um a- Andy works for Viacom, which mm. is the parent company of Nickelodeon. So we were talking to the toys division about getting some of uh, getting uh, review copies of Cart Racer. Yeah. And so we told Greg, he was like, listen, we're going to ask them for three. We'll give you one. You could play it, and then we could come on the show and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what wound up happening was Andy wrote to the people at Nick, and he said, we are going to have kind of cool Greg or cool Greg Gettys yeah. from kind of funny on the sh- on one of our shows to talk about it. Could, would it be possible to blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Their their game person, whoever it was, took that as Greg Miller. Oh. And not Cool Greg. Yeah. So they circumvented us, Nickelodeon, and emailed Greg Miller. Greg. Oh, boy. Saying, I heard you're going to be on this thing. Yeah. Here's three codes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Greg Miller was like, 
who the fuck are these kids? Yeah. Uh-huh. Who do they think they are? So then Cool Greg was like, yo, you're getting, you're getting in trouble. Like you're getting me in trouble. Like this whole thing. And we're like, hold on. We yeah. could show you the email. Like, so we forwarded the email and Greg Miller wound up reading the email and goes, oh, I see how they fucked that up. Like Nickelodeon. Yeah. He's like, no, no, they're cool. It's fine. So it, mm-hmm. it all kind of worked out in the end, but yeah. it was like a scary 24 hours of my life where I was like, if yeah. I get ostracized from this community, I'm going to fuck, I'm going to just play in traffic. Like that's, what's going to happen. I'm just going to like, they, they yeah. make up for, of like 30 hours of my listening time. Yep. <laughs> so that's so, crazy. Yeah. So, but then he came on, it was, it was great. <clears throat> we talked about, we ranked all of the uh, cartoon uh, networks of our, of our childhood. And we had a blast doing it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, and so if you're not doing all this podcast stuff and all these incredible other things that keep you busy, you also stream. Yes, I do. I do that. As How well. do you do it? Um, <laughs> I barely do. I mean, I, I, yeah. I try and hit two days a week. I, I, I push for three. Right now I'm doing two days a week. Um, every, I mean, I do it right where, where you're looking. You're looking at me. I'm in my living room. Um, I put a green screen right behind me. I'm in the middle of my living room. My bedroom is in that door behind me. <laughs> So my wife gets on a sound machine and I just, I sit here with my camera, my microphone, my headsets, my TV, my, one of my TVs is here. And essentially what I wanted to do was I talk to myself when I play games like a Mm -hmm. lot and I just, I find it funny. I think think a lot of us do. Yeah. I just find it funny. So like one day I'm just, the first thing I'm streaming, I believe was, uh, was NES games, um, and like old school games and somebody complete stranger dropped in. He goes, Oh good. You talk to yourself too. When you play games yeah. and then he just kind of hung out and I was like, you know what? This is kind of fun. So yeah. yeah, we have twitch.tv slash dual screen streams. Um, I'm trying to get Andy to stream as well, but we, he lives in Queens and I live in Brooklyn. So mm-hmm. it's rare that we get together to like do stuff. Um, so I'm trying to get him again. We, we pay through everything from our Patreon and yeah. so, and it's not a terrible amount of money. So, we were able to save up by by a laptop for me to stream from um, webcam, light the green screen, the whole thing. That's nice. And but it it took a while, so yeah. we're we're trying to also do that for him so that he has a nice place because he he's got a dedicated room for him to stream from if he really wants to. Yeah. So we're just we're working that out so he could take two days a week. I could take two days a week. We could you know do that because um, that's a that's a totally different audience and, and yeah. The the goal here is to get more people to listen to the show because. The way I I look at that at our podcast is it's the best show nobody listens to, and and I truly believe that because I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to NVC. I listen to uh, Podcast Beyond. I listen to just uh, Giant Bomb. I listen to all that. If if we were given the chance, if somebody would just because we're not we're not anybody right like we're not yeah. this we don't have this big website behind us we don't have the clout of a greg miller like we yeah. are in my opinion i am greg miller if greg miller didn't never had an ign like that's how i that's how i look at it like i'm doing this from boots on the ground you know yeah. let, let's do this together um you know it's I've I've posted in submission Sunday a few times in the kind of funny group and it'll get like four likes. Like people just ignore that because they there's so much content out there. Yeah, and it's hard to crack that nut. But um, I tell you, anybody who does listen to the show that does actually give us a try, especially since we started interviewing people, like since like episode thirty or so, mm-hmm. they all they always stay and we have a a very high retention rate. But it's getting that that first listen. We, that it's yeah. super super hard to do it, especially when we we talk about Nintendo. 
but which isn't like the hottest thing. Well, it is now, but like, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily something like people may want something a little bit more broad or whatever. And there's a huge, there's a ton of competition for Nintendo podcasts, but that that's kind of my, my thing is that I, you know, more every week there's more and more people listening, but it's just that we need that one aha moment for people to 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 go, Oh shit. And PAX East might be that, that moment because we have a lot, in store we we one of our our previous guests um he's he's in the indie mega booth and um we may be doing a lot of stuff in that indie mega booth that's awesome um so we're 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 super excited about that and again it's just getting the chance to get into your ears so listener if you are if you're looking for something to listen to if you want to laugh your ass off and have fun and listen to a bunch of guys bullshit you know about about Nintendo and about we play trivia at the end of every episode and we have a blast doing it and it would mean the world if you'd listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. Go listen to Nintendo dual screens podcast dual with an E. Yes, not an like, like fighting. Yeah. And if you're going to PAX East, uh, you know, check out Steven Look for us. when he we're, takes we're gonna, over. We're going to be in the, in the booth for quite a while. Yeah. We're going to, we, we just started booking all our appointments. We're going to be in there for about four hours minimum every day. Um, and uh, we actually may be helping out a, a booth for their bathroom breaks, like going, oh, nice. going in there and start, met, you know, interviewing people and putting mics yeah. in their faces and having fun. That's so, awesome. Yeah, we're going to have some fun there. I can't wait to see everybody over there, uh, everybody that's going. It's going to be a blast. Oh, it is. Um, now we're on to the show, Stephen, where you have to give me one thing to watch, listen, read, or play. And you alluded to it earlier. Yes. What do, what do I have to What do I have to do? It is my first ever feature film. Ooh. Oh, so this includes you. Yes, indeed. It nice. is It is my big screen debut. I won Best Actor for this film in the oh, Down Beach st- Film Festival in yeah. Atlantic City. It is a, a gem of a train wreck called Stuck in the Middle. You could find it on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. Wow, you are on Amazon Prime. Yes, indeed, I'm on there. Uh, <laughs> it is. It was a movie made for I. I think around thirty thousand dollars. Okay. It was. It was filmed in seven days. I think seven or no, it was eleven total days. I filmed for seven days. I was the lead in it. Um, okay. it's. I want you to watch it because it was. I had a blast doing it. It's not a great movie. It's not, mm-hmm. but it has. It's. It's it has charm and i and i just i feel like me in the movie as as egotistical as it sounds i think i'm entertaining in it so i think i think as as somebody who who knows me and has hung out with me yeah i think it would be a fun thing for you to watch and make fun of that that, that... i was also in a in a a second film (laughs) which is part of this what they're calling the um, Afterlife Trilogy. We still haven't done the third movie, but it's called The Jersey Devil. And I play a lesser role. It's got a, a higher budget, but I think Stuck in the Middle is a is a more fun movie. So um, is is it like a, like a supernatural type movie? What kind of movie is it? So Stuck in the Middle, uh, I play a character named Michael Cheevers, who is a, he works a dead-end job at a mailroom. Um, he's in his, uh, late twenties, early thirties. Um, he, he's kind of just a loser. He's just, you're all around loser. You're Jack Black type loser. Right. Mm-hmm. And he accidentally kills himself, uh, uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So that kind of movie. Gotcha. Yeah. So <laughs> he, you don't see that kind of thing. It's not, it's not like no, that. Yeah, but yeah, no. he accidentally kills himself and winds up being sentenced to Purgatory's mailroom for the rest of eternity. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's, it's about him uh, essentially doing something with his afterlife. And okay. trying to... They, he uncovers a plot for... Um, uh, somebody is trying to sell Purgatory to hell to make room for luxury condos. <laughs> okay. I yeah. like it. So he is trying to stop that because all of his new friends that he made will then be either put in hell or heaven. Like he makes friends uh, with, with uh, you know, St. Peter. Um, and there, there's St. Peter gets, gets sentenced to purgatory because of a screw up that he did on, when, when he was playing golf with Jesus. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, 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 it's very I, clerks esque. Yeah. It, it, it's already late here on the East coast while we're recording, <laughs> but I may just stay up late just to watch this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's about 88 minutes. So it's not, nice. it's not terribly long. Um, yeah, and the Jersey Devil is, uh, it's a, it's 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 like Clerks and and Mole Rats and all that. They're in the same universe, but the characters are all different. Mm-hmm. So in that one, I play Judas, and it's about it's called the Jersey Devil. It's about um, Lucifer's term limits as as the Prince of Darkness is up. He okay. his his you know fifty million years is up or whatever yeah. it is. He's not renewing his contract. He's not, he's done and he yeah. hands over the throne to um basically like one of those upper middle management type people and he winds up that people. that hell needs a makeover because the numbers are down and so he relocates hell to Jersey City, New Jersey. Wow, nice. Okay. Yeah. So that that's about uh that that's very about. interesting choices. I like <laughs> are these how do these people come to you with these ideas? So this is, um, do you know the famous Yankee uh, Joe Pepitone? Uh, it sounds super familiar. Yeah, his nephew. Okay. <laughs> uh, wrote it. Wrote these movies. Okay. He, he's a he's a writer and director for um, Nickelodeon or something like that, or like Nick oh, Kid or nice. Nick, Nick Kids or something something like uh-huh. that. Nick Junior. I don't know. He does he does like a diff- he does uh like commercials for them and stuff like that and. Uh, He's just, he's a comedian. Um, he's a funny dude. And I actually know him. My mom's best friend's sister grew up with him. So when I was acting professionally, they were like, Hey, we know somebody that's casting a movie, go audition. So I did, I went to, to the casting, like it was an official thing. And I went in there and I auditioned and, and I got the part. And so now I, whenever they do a project, they'll, they'll call me and they're supposedly writing a, um, a web series it was called the deplorables and it stars it's basically a retelling of stuck in the middle but it but rewritten for today's climate um Mm -hmm. and uh, but i would be playing the same character who winds up in purgatory for the same reasons but things kind of happen differently um and uh that was put on hold because they were still trying to find a producer for it um and i believe they changed the name of it i don't think it's the deplorables anymore I i forget what it is Mm-hmm. Uh, undesirables. That's what it was. Okay. The, the undesirables. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I'm very good friends with with the guy Joe, and he, he's he's a funny, funny guy. Like the what he what he comes up with, and it's like we make a great a great pairing because the scenarios that he comes up with are are just outrageous and just completely silly. And then mm-hmm. my improv improv skills, improvisational skills, take what he puts on paper and just kind of like make the it next this level. this mess of just 
physical because com- he he doesn't necessarily write physical comedy, but I can perform physical comedy. So like I take the the funny words and I add the phys- the physicality to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it, a match it, made it, in heaven. It, it's fun. It, it's a lot of yeah. fun. It, it's they're not you know the best yeah films you're gonna watch and and you're but i think you'll laugh you'll find it funny so that that's what i think you should that sounds awesome and i had no idea that i was friends with the best actor winner oh yeah best actor down beach film festival okay 2000 when was that 2011 i think wow that's it that's impressive steven i'm very impressed you're among greatness is what happened (laughs) you didn't think it was gonna happen but you're you're among greatness you hear that listener i'm getting you think snowbike mike was good <laughs> Take that, Mike. <laughs> you got me now. Uh, so this podcast is all about uh, the best friends, and those best friends love kind of funny. So that's it. We're now at the part of the show where Stephen, I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. what got you into kind of funny, and what does kind of funny mean to you? Oh man, um, I know that's kind of like a loaded question. It's, it, but... I mean, it is, but I've told the story to so many people who don't know what kind of funny is yeah. that that it, I've been able to refine this. Mm-hmm. Um, back before the PS3 came out, I was looking for any information on anything video game related. I was kind of off the grid for a while, and uh, my buddy said, you know what, check out IGN. They they usually write pretty good stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this was right when episode one of Game Scoop came oh, out. Such a great show. So I started listening to Game Scoop, and I was like, this is, really, this is a really cool idea. Like, I have this on my iPod? That's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. Um... And then this little punk ass kid, Greg Miller, comes in and he starts talking about the Undertaker busting through the wall and like all this silly shit. And I was like, holy kid, holy shit, this kid is me. He's exactly me. Backyard wrestling, check. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantasizing about a wrestler beating the shit out of you, check. Super <laughs> yeah. Sony place, you know, uh, Sony nerd fanboy, check. Like, mm-hmm. you know, aspiring journalist, because at the time I was going to school for journalism, check. Like, all these things. And. So I just kind of latched on and then when, when, you know, podcast beyond happened and like all these other things and when, and I, I didn't listen to game over Greggy show when he started it. Like I, I was, I stuck to the whole video game thing. Yeah. Um, and then maybe about three or four months before they left IGN, I started listening to game over Greggy. So I started to kind of like get more entrenched in, in his other, his extracurricular activities, I should yeah. say. Non-video game stuff. Right. Um, and then he left IGN. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see what this is about. And then, yeah. you know, that kind of happened from there. But way back when, in the early IGN days of Greg Miller, they did super knocking boots. They didn't, well, at the time it was just knocking boots. This was before yeah. they put it behind a paywall because IGN decided that was too raunchy for, for them to put out on their website. Mm-hmm. Um, they would l- answer listener questions. And I had written into GameScoop prior and I, I had my I was like one of the first people that they used to uh, read emails using a text to speech. Oh really? I don't know if yeah. I, I, I don't I caught on to GameScoop way later. Yeah they, it slide, was so. hysterical because they would they would play it and it would be like a robot reading these messages. And when they read mine, it read my email signature, which was um actor, singer, dreamer. Okay. And then and then somebody I forget who it was, I think it might have been Jeremy Dunham or somebody just says porn star. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was hysterical. So anyway, yeah. and I actually went back to read those emails cause it was cringeworthy. Like I could not write for shit. Like I had like the brain of like a 12 year old anyway. Uh, and I was in college 
for journalism um, with an English minor. That's and how it, I feel when I'm <laughs> like teaching math to little kids. Like, oh, what is the <laughs> three and carry two? the oh, – oh, shit. Well, math is hard. Yeah, I failed math in every level since freshman year of high school, and now I do math for a living, so go figure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I wrote to Knockin' Boots, and uh, Greg actually, months after I wrote in, was catching up with, with – with his personal emails, because what happened was knock and boots went behind the paywall. Um, I, at this point I, I, I didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't read my, my, my yeah. letter or whatever. So Greg personally wrote back to me and said, Hey man, my, my whole thing was that I was in a relationship, in a quasi relationship, like back and forth thing with somebody that lived across the country. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't sure if, I needed, I should go pursue it and go forward. And like, I was like, I love her, but I don't know. I've never done anything like this. I don't know how to make it work. And he was yeah. like, you know what? It sounds like you don't love her. Cause if you love her, you'd stop being a little bitch essentially. And just, and you would make it where happened. Like that was basically what he said. Yeah. So I said, okay, um, he's right. And that is the person that I have two children with today. Oh, and that when we, when the kind of funny community for kind of funny live one made their video, uh-huh. Um, thanking you know what kind of funny meant to them I told that story and that was when I announced to the community that my wife was expecting our first child oh, and apparently nice. made him all weepy eyed and stuff um, and uh, Sean Pitts actually put me on the phone with Greg after that um, and he thanked me and all that stuff but that was I've never met Greg I've never met any of the kind of funny guys um, actually next month is going to be the first time yeah oh, it's so exciting so essentially and I know it's more of a Greg Miller thing but for my whole life, I have tried to live by the things that he tells us to do every day, mm-hmm. which is just be excellent to each other. And that's yep. why after every episode of, of Nintendo Dual Screens, I say, as always, please be excellent to each other. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse in this world than pain and hurt and sadness and being lonely yep. and being... Um, and feeling like you're inferior or that nobody cares or all of that stuff. And in that moment... Uh, that Greg took out of his time to send an email to me for no, like he did not have to do that. Yeah. We, we all know how many emails that guy must've gotten every day. Absolutely. Working yeah. at IGN. Cause he still worked at IGN at the time. This was 20, 2010 or 11. Mm-hmm. And I think, no, it was 2009. I think whatever. Um, and he didn't have to do that. And, for for that point forward, I saw a lot of who who I wanted to be in what he was publicly exuding to, mm-hmm. in some cases, millions of people. Yeah. And it's part envy, but it's also part just excitement and happiness and, and I'm I'm super happy that he's able to do that. And that and that's that's what the that's what kind of funny in the community means to me. It's 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 a place where we can be ourselves. We can still criticize what we love and who mm-hmm. we love and be critical about it, but hug it out. And you can literally do that with somebody that lives on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Because of this community, it gets a little crazy when, the, when it grows so fast and there are so many new people who don't, that aren't here for the same reasons, mm-hmm. but those people slowly become quiet. And the people who came around because of what the community is 
those are the people that make it work that that make it all worth it like the kind of kind of nyc people like talking with you guys every day because we talk every day it's like a big family it's not it's not a chat room it it's it's more personal than that it's not an aol chat room that we're all sitting in there bouncing shit off each other you know being goofy like somebody will come in and be like hey i'm having a terrible day just an awful day and then there's 15 people there to pick you up yeah and you may not see those people for another three months you know but they're Mm -hmm. but they're always there and that's all because of what Tim, Nick, uh, even Colin, when he was there, like that, yeah. that whole thing broke my heart. And to this day, I'll, I'll never understand it. And it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to press about it. I'm not going to, you know, lose sleep over it, but mm-hmm. you know, it broke my heart to, to see that happen because I, it kind of, I, I lost a little bit of that, that, that magic, like, you know, of what the community is, mm-hmm. but whatever people have personal things that, that, that affect things. It, it is what yeah. it is, but it's 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 you know Tim and Nick and 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 Kevin and and those guys like Kevin likes almost every tweet I tweet like yeah. he's just the engaged like Andy's just such a funny dude yeah um Joey's like one of the best community managers on planet Earth amen um, and I I I cannot give her enough credit like and oh, man it's crazy and you know I don't know if people are gonna recognize me when we all see each other, I don't know. That's yeah. always the one thing I'm really nervous about is that I'm just kind of, kind of blend in and just get pushed off to the, to the wall. Cause that's what it was like growing up. You kind of, I'm used to being the life of the party. And then like, you'll go to the school dance and you'll wind up against the wall with a cup and nobody's dancing with you kind of thing. I feel that, you know Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. you know, I grew up like that. I, I may yeah. be a socialite now. I may be, I, I may have always been outspoken, but I was always, oh, yeah. I was always the, 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 um, the outsider, the oh, yeah. outspoken outsider. So younger me was very much. I'm not gonna say a word unless I have to. Right. And now I'm on like two podcasts, and I, I I talk to people every day, and and yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Um. So that I mean, the community is just it's about it's about caring for for strangers, and yep, and breaking down barriers with people who put up barriers for years. I mean, there there are kids that are 16 years old, 17 years old that are that are like their brains aren't even really fully developed and mm-hmm. they're going through such crazy shit. Yeah. Drug addicted parents, uh, going in and out of, uh, foster care as a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, they have a drinking problem at 19 years old. Like you get, you meet p- people like this and you're just like, I just need to, I need to help you. I need to, like, yeah. like I said earlier in the show, Steven's a fixer and, but I also need fixing. So it's, and it, and it's a great, community for that it's it's and and the shit that they put out there kfaf is my favorite thing on planet earth right now Uh, that was gonna be my next question was what is your favorite piece of content that they produce and that is a very good pick yeah i just their their comedy their humor is very my humor it's very much what and you'll see it in stuck in the middle like um i just i just love them so much i just i want to i want to be a part of it and that we, I, I, we were nominated for the, uh, up and comer? the up and comer thing. So I'm hoping awesome. even if I don't get to do it, because it, it, even if I was able to do it, it's going to be super hard for me to get there, take a yeah. week off of work. Like that's the rest yeah. of my vacation days. So like maybe they would work around that. But the, the thing I really want is just to be on a list so yeah. that, so that people can see that they listened to what I do. Yeah. If it, that's all, that's all I care about is I just want Greg or Nick or Tim or somebody. I think Tim would like the show, but just somebody to, to listen to it and say, Oh, this is, 
this is pretty good. Put it on a list, and then all the best friends could say, you know, that yeah. might be worth listening to or whatever. Um, when they did their their indie showcase thing, um, yeah, KF Games showcase, yeah, the 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 showcase, um, we had eight of those devs on our show already, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um. Or people who like we've been speaking to back and forth. Like that was right after we had Greg Johnson on the show. So like the fact that they were like we I knew who the who the guest was for that video. Yeah. Bef- before it it went off, <laughs> like because Greg told me and like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Greg Johnson. And uh. Yeah. So essentially, to to re re answer your questions, the community is all about kindness and respect. That's what I love most about it, and my favorite show is KFAF because they're just fucking ludicrous people. That's they're so ludicrous human beings, and I love them so yeah. much. Uh, and that's that's the one thing that I felt kind of funny was lacking for me. Like I watch almost everything they do when I can, uh, but the one thing I missed is like produce skits or yeah. like out of the office type of things, just kind of like sketches and. God, KFAF is bringing it every single week <laughs> and it, bringing it to new heights, and I love it. It's so good. Um, now we're at to the part of the show where uh, we mentioned it before, the Game Over Greggy show. It is a staple of Kind of Funny, and it's no longer the Game Over Greggy show. It's not the Kind of Funny podcast. But I have my guest bring an old topic from Game Over Greggy show for us to discuss amongst ourselves. So, Stephen, what is that topic that we're going to talk about? I know we're going a little long, so yeah. I don't, I don't want to wait. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's from, I think it's from episode four. Okay, yeah, and I believe it was Nick's topic. Um, why do people care about wrestling? It's a good question. I've had to answer <laughs> this question many times. Yes, so have I. So. Another thing you may not know about me is that I uh, wrestled professionally. Yeah, I, I, I saved that because I knew what your topic was. So I was going to bring that in. Yeah, you mentioned backyard wrestling, but it's yes. more than just that. You were so, actually in the ring. I did backyard wrestling throughout all of high school. It wasn't like how Greg described it. We, like, we did – we were tame. We didn't use – we didn't like – make ourselves bloody or like put ourselves through flaming tables or whatever. Like we yeah. wrestled on two mattresses, two twin mattresses pushed together, covered by a rug in a garage. We made a curtain. We had belts. We did storylines. Yeah. We sold the tapes to kids in lunch for five bucks a tape. Wow. Nice. And had this whole story. Like my character's name was area 51. Uh, I got the okay. name from power move pro wrestling on the PlayStation. Nice. And so I, I watched wrestling my whole life. So we did mm-hmm. the backyard wrestling. And then I had an opportunity when I was, uh, Right before I started working in the restaurant industry, I was out. out I had worked on Broadway as a lighting and sound engineer. And wow. Okay. Another job that I was an imposter syndrome. I just fell into that job. Um, that's another. That's a long ass story. But yeah. uh, I was between jobs. Like the show closed, so I was between jobs. So a friend of mine said, "Hey, I'm going to go up to Union City in New Jersey, and I'm going to train. It's like twenty bucks to go in there and, and train for like four hours." It was like nothing. So it was this uh, company called Ace Pro Wrestling. They're still around today. It um, so- yeah, it sounds familiar. Like, yeah. I think I know who they are. I think uh, Crowbar wrestles for them. Like, Crowbar. Some, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, yes. so I go there and I start training, and I, I'm, it's, it feels natural to me. I'm not, I, I am athletic, but I don't work out. So, like, mm-hmm. 
I have athletic abilities. I've I've done stage combat. I've done sports. I've done all that. You stuff. got cardio. Like cardio is the the my worst part actually. Okay. I I'm actually naturally strong, especially in my legs and and, and my torso. But I'm my stamina is terrible, and like that's the thing you need in wrestling. So anyway, yeah. So we were training. And uh, the idea was that this co- this other wrestling company at the time called MVW Mid- uh, is Middle Village Wrestling. Um, it was an upstate wrestling thing, and they partnered with Ace. And so what what they would do is they would put on a show and like Saturday afternoon at like one p.m. in Ace, Ace would take the whole gate, um, whatever we would get. But in exchange, Ace would the Ace wrestlers would train us. Okay. So we would go in and. Essentially, you train for a year before you have your first match, but uh, it was basically me and two of my friends and a bunch of acquaintances that we knew. So, and it wasn't like we we didn't take it like super seriously, like we were making tapes and we were putting out all the stuff. It was a learning experience. So they wanted yeah. us to put on a show as green re- performers. So I tra- I trained for about three months before I had my first match. Um, I wrestled under the name Steve Sage. Uh, my first match uh, was against a gentleman named Chad Darling. Um, Very wrestler wrestler names. Yes, Ch- Steve yeah. Sage and, and 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 Chad Darling, and I beat him. Then I lost the next week to uh, one of my old high school friends, uh, Chris, who was wrestling under the name Talon, and he's still wrestling. He wrestles oh, wow. uh, for uh, a bunch of local feds. He's he's got like a championship and a couple of them. That's like he, he's 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 climbing up the ranks. Um, but then I, I got a job after I, I wrestled at probably about six matches. I, I got a job and I wasn't, I wasn't able to get out there for training as much. And then I kind of just fell off. But yeah, for about yeah. six or so months, I was wrestling a show every month and training two days a week and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I could, I could, I could technically say yeah, I wrestled so, professionally. So you, you were living what my childhood dream was. All I wanted to do was bounce off those ropes and have a wrestling match in front of people. Like yep. that's all I wanted to do my whole life. But <laughs> Yeah, because like you with your backyard wrestling tapes, like the mattress and stuff, I did the same thing, but it wasn't with another person. It was with my sister's dolls, yeah, and it was with the, yeah. like the teddy bears and stuffed animals I had when I was little, and just I would have these grand pay-per-views, oh, and yeah. I would have a different character every single oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had God, a, it's, um, it's so good. It's so much fun. I had a three-foot-tall Santa Claus doll. Oh, and it was perfect. it was full of styrofoam, like it was yeah. stiff, it, and it was in this position with, oh, with nice. his arms up. I'm doing like a flexing position. Um, yeah. Actually, no, it was. I think it was. I think it's no. His arms were down. Down. Okay. I think. Yeah. But it was perfect for like suplexes and stuff. Yeah. So like and and like giving myself DDTs and stuff. Um. So I was taking like professional level bumps as a kid because <laughs> like I was like watching on TV. But to answer the question, why do people care about wrestling? Yeah. It's because it's three things. It's a dramatic soap opera. Yep. It's athletic competition, competition, whether it's stage or not, it doesn't matter. It's still athletic. And it's a circus. It's a complete, it's a spectacle. Mm -hmm. People who watch wrestling on TV, um, that don't watch wrestling. Like, like if my wife is watching it or whatever, they don't fully grasp it until you see it live. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. When you, when you see a wrestling show live and you don't have a bunch of buffoons yelling in your ears what you should care about and like yeah. oh this guy hails from this it's like Just, sometimes the commentating is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and could take you out of the experience instead of putting you have you to in soak the up that energy that's around right. you. But the second you see these mountainous men and, and these 
the epitome of athletic people, yeah. women included. Like the women yep. now are just ridiculous. Yeah, my favorite part of the show. Is- when you see them lock horns and then bump and make that enormous noise in the mm-hmm. middle of the ring, and you see them enter the spectacle, it's it's just a spectacle. Yeah. And for me as a kid, it was all about Hogan, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, and then as I got a little bit older, Bret Hart. Yeah, like, those four were like larger than anything you could ever think of. Like they they were up there. Like I would put if I was a like a Mount Rushmore of Steven's childhood, it would be mm-hmm. the Ultimate Warrior, Batman, Wolverine, and fucking Captain uh, Planet. Like it would like you yeah. know what I mean? like it was just. I would I would throw the Red Ranger in there, but yeah, yeah like oh like Tommy, yeah, right, exactly. But you know what I'm saying, like no, absolutely it. You know, my brother had He-Man and Voltron, and and mm-hmm. and and he had Hogan. You know, but like for me, just seeing that massive mountain of a of a man, the Ultimate Warrior, just run like a mental patient and shake the ropes like a crazy person. Like as a kid, there's nothing better in the world to see. And from a very young age, my dad, <laughs> I'll never forget it. Like we're sitting in the living room, and I'm like, Dad, is wrestling real? And he said, he said two things. He said, you can't fake a, a, a chair to the back. Yep. And he said, do you think if they were punching each other for real, they would get up? <laughs> so that, that's what he told me. So he said that in the same sentence, he said, yes, it's real. And no, it's not. He's like, and then after, and then we would have, we would have talks about it. And I'm like at maybe eight or nine years old. Yep. And not knowing that they are actually friends and talking to each other was more intriguing to me than if it was a real fight. Yeah. For whatever, because I'm I'm a showman. I, I always as a kid, I was a showman. I wanted to put on a show, entertainment. So my dad took me to a local match in my church, and I got to see it. And like I'm seeing with my eyes, like these two people who seemingly hate each other. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, they're actually friends. This is the best. Yeah. And then like the bushwhackers come by and lick you in the face, <laughs> and like. It, it was just so. It was just so much fun. It's just yeah. so much fun. If you're it, able to take yourself and say, "This is not to be taken seriously. This is a show. It's like going to the circus, but with a bunch of some good and some awful, awful actors, yeah. and they're putting on a a a stage performance where their bodies are literally on the line. Yep. And and everything they do has to be perfect. Otherwise, somebody fucking dies. Yeah. <laughs> or gets exactly. paralyzed. Yeah. Um. And then when you when you actually because I I I did a seminar with Savio Vega, like he taught oh, wow. me how to do like arm drags and shit. Yeah. Seeing a man who's in his fifties, who is two hundred and sixty pounds, a gut that he can't see his own privates, mm-hmm. still do moon salts off the second rope yeah. and roll around and covered in sweat, run out running nineteen and twenty year olds. There's something special about those humans. Yeah, that and and that's what makes it so special to me. It's not, it's not, a, and and it's funny because now they all went to wrestling events. So I bet you Nick knows the answer to his own question now. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think that whole crew. I mean, Greg and Tim did it like when they were younger. Yeah. Or they were into it and went to shows. But like like you said, there's something special about being there live. For 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 me, it's 
it's it's you you mentioned the spectacle and in a few weeks i'm going to wrestlemania you're going to wrestlemania yeah, buddy. that is that is the super bowl of professional wrestling the world series the uh the overwatch league finals of, of professional wrestling it is and to see them come out in front of tens sometimes hundred thousand fans in an arena and they're they are themselves turned up to 12 or like the the dials turned up to uh you know maximum capacity of their bodies their bodies charisma. go into like a adrenaline filled oh, yeah. Honestly, my first match, I don't remember anything except for the time I got kicked in the cheek accidentally. Mm-hmm. The whole rest of the match, I don't remember because adrenaline just takes over yeah. and your body just goes into this like weird mm-hmm. survival tunnel vision mode. Yeah. And you're just about putting on a show. You're just about just going Absolutely. There and making people believe what you want them to believe. And mm-hmm. and yeah, it's always been. I, I, I said this uh, on an earlier episode, so I won't get too far in depth to it. But my intro to it was Lawrence Taylor of the New York Giants yep. was going to wrestle Bam Bam Bigelow Bam at Bigelow. WrestleMania. And I, I love my Giants. And I went upstairs to my parents' room. And we had one of those cable scrambler boxes where you oh, can yeah. like, watch things illegally. And I the totally watched. Uh, yeah, hot box. I, I watched that yeah. uh, WrestleMania in full. And I was hooked. And there's just something about these superhero humans or they're in real life. They're not on a page. They're not in a game or movie. And you just get to see them battle. It's just like a, you're witnessing a boss battle. Yeah. In 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 person. And as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate the art of it. And, and when when you're younger, sure, they're all characters and they're all having fun and beating each other up and like you know you you push me the back now I'm gonna see you in the ring type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but now like I can appreciate the the storylines and. I, I love how you can see the character change and the character arcs. And when people turn into bad guys and good guys, it is a soap opera, yes. And people do know that they're going to win or lose before getting into the ring. But the sometimes way they, they go, don't. sometimes they don't. That's true. But uh, that's a whole nother podcast in itself. But <laughs> just to see how they get to that end result. And everything is through them creating a story in the ring in front of thousands upon thousands of fans. And just the way that they're able to connect with you is something that is truly special about professional wrestling. And I can't I can't freaking wait to be there at Mania one more time. I was there last time I was at MedLife. Oh, it is amazing. I didn't the get moment, to go to that one. Oh, it, it, it's funny because people ask, like, what are some of your favorite songs to get you pumped up? They're all wrestling themes. <laughs> that is that is also a lost art. It's a good wrestling theme can beat most like stadium songs to like pump up the crowd. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like <laughs> like the, the glass breaking of Stone Cold. Oh, man, time the, to play the game. If you smell the rock, oh god, oh god, yes. So good. So good. You know what? You know what I'm missing about wrestling now. I'm missing the pyro, Steven. I know. It's a problem. I'm, just, I'm missing the fireworks and the pyro and, and how they time it to certain beats of the song. Yeah. And like I had, before we recorded, I had SmackDown on in the background. And when Rey Mysterio comes out, yeah. he, he used to come out like when the song hit. Yeah. It used to be pyro. 
Yeah. It's not pyro anymore, so no. it kind of loses its luster a little bit. And what was it like? Eight dollars worth of fireworks? Like, come on, man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, pro wrestling's amazing. If you have the opportunity, it doesn't even have to be a big WWE show. Just go to a local show, and, and experience what it's like live before you really truly pass judgment on it, because it, it it is something special. It's completely and yes, ridiculous. And it is ridiculous and goofy, but it's something special. Like for for me, when I watch it, I, I watch less for the storyline now. I I actually like the in ring performances. Like I, I appreciate it on a different level now. And my wife hates watching it with me because I'll call spots. Like I I know oh, yeah. I know what's gonna ha- like I just know I know how a match is gonna start. I know I know these weird terms, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna jump the bell. Uh. Oh, he's he's gonna go powder. What do you mean powder? What does that mean? It means he's gonna go outside the ring and powder his nose. Why did they call it powdering the nose? I don't know. It's just what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to commercial. I like. I know exactly when they're going to commercial. It's. I I know the flow of, of of the matches. I know all that stuff. And and it's not necessarily from doing it. It's from watching it for. It's gonna be like probably close to thirty years now. Like I've been watching yeah. it since I'm like four years old, so, and I'm thirty two now. So, like, it's just just watching it forever and. Do you it, find yourself gravitate more towards the bad guys now? Um, I'm still pretty much a good guy. No, I, I, I honestly, I don't care about it. Uh, like I, like I said, like I, it's just I want whoever I'm watching, I want them to to seem genuine. And if, a, yeah. if as a face they're not genuine, I don't care. It, then then it doesn't matter. If you're a heel and you're not genuine and it's forced and you're just being nasty or you're just being, um, you know aggressive but like there's no motivation behind the aggression like it, it loses me it's the same thing as watching a movie and somebody's being a dick for no reason like it doesn't make yeah. sense i got you, know, you unless you have some sort of backstory that you know that or a character arc um yeah. but like becky lynch is doing great great things um i think the whole knee thing needs to go away for, for you know yeah the whole injury thing needs to stop soon mm-hmm. um but so yeah, she, like she, she keeps switching knees, but that's a different. Well, he, okay, so little peek behind the curtain. You're when you're when you're training. Anytime that you're working on an opponent, yeah, on a limb, it has to be the left arm or the left leg. Um, that's just how oh, it is that's here. Interesting. In Mexico, it's opposite. It's the right arm and oh. right leg. So, for whatever reason, it's always the left. When she was thrown into the steps to hurt her knee. Yeah. She was thrown with such force that her body turned and she hit her right knee on the steps. So uh, she had to naturally sell what actually hit the steps. Gotcha. But in the context of training, you, you if you're watching, if, you if you ever watch wrestling and you're wrestling somebody and you're supposed to work and they're working on, on a limb, it's always the left. So when, uh, Naya continued to work on the legs, she's going to, automatically work on the left leg mm-hmm. and that was when becky switched to the left leg because it only made sense at that point because now she's beating her gotcha. up on the left leg um, oh, that's interesting. but yeah if anybody's like holding their right for some reason it's most likely a real injury real thing yeah oh that's um, good to know yeah there's, there's a lot of weird <laughs> shit like that <laughs> so what i want from you the listener right now is i want you to tell us if this talk persuaded you into <laughs> trying out some wrestling and not actually doing it because takes like a like a certain caliber of human being to actually get in the ring and, and, and try to do it but give it a shot and watch 
<laughs> do the free trial uh, of WWE Network for WrestleMania and and see how crazy huge and the spectacle of it all. And let us know if you appreciate that. Uh, next. Uh, uh, go ahead. What was that? I was just going to say, please do. Please oh, yeah. do, listener. Um, to end the show tonight, this a fantastic episode. Um, we're going to I'm going to steal from Josh McCuga. Cougs. I'm going to steal from McCoogs, who is a, an excellent human being. Um, I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. Oh, boy. Three minutes. Right. Three minutes on the clock. And I'm going to ask you rapid fire questions. Heard. To get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Are, are you ready? I'm so the, ready. I'm so I, ready. I found, I found this list from Elfster.com. Okay, Elfster. There's a right. bunch of different rounds. There's like a ton of questions here. And I'm just going to see as many how many we can get through. Okay. Sounds good. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Your time starts now. Texting or talking? Texting. Favorite day of the week? For uh, Friday. Favorite city in U.S. besides the one you live in? Denver. Nickname your parents used to call you? Uh, Stevie B. Bop. (laughs) Uh, Last song you downloaded? Or oh, listen to. Uh, well, I, the last song I listened to was um, what's her name? Uh, American Idiot, the musical. Okay. Uh, favorite holiday? Christmas. How long does it take you to get ready? Fifteen minutes. Scale of one to ten, how good of a driver are you? Six. Uh, fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is something. <laughs> uh, invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Uh, Ariel or Jasmine? Hmm. Jasmine. First celebrity crush? Mm, I could also say Jasmine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, yeah. Uh, first, if we're saying first, it's going to be Kimberly. Good call. That's yeah. my first as well. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Um... Ah, oh, shit. That's a hard one. Uh, probably a- a- as me. Like I'm just yeah, shifting my body. Okay. Uh, probably, probably the s- the fifties. Okay. Uh, halfway through. Favorite junk food. Popcorn. Favorite childhood TV show. Um, Batman the animated series probably. Do you believe in fate? Yeah, I think so. Why can't we tickle ourselves? Because we see it coming. What's the best age? Now. If Voldemort offered you a hug, would you accept? Yes. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. Fuck out of here with that shit. (laughs) Would you rather cuddle with a baby panda or a baby penguin? Uh, Pandas are so fucking stupid. Um... (laughs) Penguin. Uh, 30 seconds. Uh, name one of the seven dwarves. Grumpy. Would you want to live forever? Yeah. Uh, are reindeers real creatures? Yes. Do you respect Kanye West? Yeah. <laughs> What's the fastest speed you've ever driven in a car? Uh, Probably about 100. Uh, wow. Uh, 10 seconds. Godfather or Star Wars? Godfather. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you need? Six. 
Oh, time's up. We'll do one more. Big dogs or small dogs? Big old dogs. Give me them big old yeah, guys. That's the right answer. All right, Steven, that was the new segment. Three minutes on the clock. I don't know. I'll come up with a better name. <laughs> but yeah, that was great. Awesome. Uh, I, that was fun. Uh, one of those surprised me. What the hell one was it? It was like five questions ago. Oh, The Godfather. Um, as much as I love Star Wars, like it's so hard to beat Godfather one and two. Especially, yeah. have you ever watched the um, the Godfather saga, like no. the, the the recut? So they cut it in chronological order. So it starts with the first half of two, and then oh, go, okay. and then goes to one, and then fi- and then goes to the second half of two. It's pretty fucking cool. So so here's the thing, Stephen, and don't be mad at me. Oh God, uh, I have not seen two yet. <sighs> I only I've seen one, and that was only a couple of years ago for the first time. It's a great movie. It's okay. It's okay. I have to. I have to watch eventually. But if you, know. you want to see two actors in their absolute prime, man, Pacino and De Niro yeah. in Godfather Two is like yeah. cinematic. It's on my list. I, it's it's in my shame pile of movie list, which is oh my my shame gigantic. pile is enormous. So yeah, don't even. Gigantic. Yeah, you're way more of a movie guy than I am. That's for sure. Yeah. Steven, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I'm so happy to sit down with you. You're one of my favorite people in the community <laughs> and just in general. Thanks, man. Um, I love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. I, uh, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate yeah. everything you do for this community because Thanks, you are you you do things that I wish I could in this community and for this community. Uh, you're you're amazing for this community, and I'm, I'm very happy to have you as a friend. Thanks, man. I can't wait to see you soon. Yeah, very soon. Pax East, indeed. I'll come bug you at the Indie Mega Booth when oh, yeah. I'm not playing Days Gone or geeking out about Borderlands 3, hopefully, or oh, meeting Xavier Woods. Oh, my God. It's going to be a great weekend. We, that's got to be our thing. we got to squat up in, in Borderlands 3 whenever it happens. That's oh. got to be our thing. I'm a, yeah, I, I love Borderlands. Same. I've beaten Borderlands 2 at least eight, nine times. Oh, man. I love that game. Uh, where can people find you if they want to find you and they should find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Batchild27. Um, our show is at NDS Podcast, uh, which is a little easier. Um, you could find everything that I do on DualScreens.com, D-U-E-L Screens.com, uh, Twitch.tv slash DualScreens streams. Every, all of our socials and all of our everything else that we do is on DualScreens.com, so you could find everything there. Um, but we're all, we also have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group says slash NDS podcast. If you want to come hang out there and go watch stuck in the middle on Amazon prime, Yes, stuck in the middle, the Jersey devil. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, man. I can't whoops. wait to watch that. <laughs> uh, you can find me at who that ninja 73 on all social media platforms, even though I really am only on Twitter, uh, and, uh, send me friend requests in PlayStation so I can compare trophies with you. Uh, you can find this show at BFS Talk Funny on Twitter and at podcast services, wherever you listen. Uh, go give it a listen, uh, like, comment, share, do the podcasting thing. Uh, let me know if you want to be on the show. Love to have you. Get to know a best friend a bit better. Um, and until next time, remember, be kinda to one another. Bye. Later. <laughs>